Hey everybody, welcome back to Hope Nevada. We're so glad you guys are joining us again this week as we once again welcome some women in that we are thrilled to talk to about how we all can be part of bringing hope and light to Northern Nevada, um, experiencing life as it is, but at the same time, really trying to bring positive energy to bear on the challenges and opportunities that we all share together as a community. And so uh, we're excited to have another conversation today and really um, hear another story and, or other stories uh, about places of hope uh, that are alive and well here in Northern Nevada. And so with that, I'll turn it over to Whitney and she's gonna introduce our guest today. We're grateful to be here today with Kimberly Weingartner. Kimberly started the Katie Grace Foundation in, on, in honor of her daughter, Katie Grace. And so that said, Kimberly, I'm going to turn it to you. And we would love if you would introduce yourself and Katie and tell us more about the Katie Grace Foundation. Great. Thank you so much, Whitney, for having me here today. And um, like you said, I'm Kimberly Weingartner, and I started Katie Grace Foundation in loving memory of my daughter, Katie. Um, she was, uh, I, I'd lost her in a tragedy in June, on June 9th of 2017. And as a family, we've chosen to focus on the life that we had with Katie and not what we don't have with Katie. Um, you know, and that's through God's grace. It's the only way I can get through that. Um, you know, Katie was just a really neat kid. I knew when she was little that she had different qualities in her. Um, she was funny. Um, she was loving, she had a lot of compassion, and she was really kind, and I saw that as she was growing up, that she had so many things to share with other people and other kids, and she was an only child, um, and I was married to her dad for 21 years, and I lost him to leukemia, um, in 2010, and, um, so I, I knew that I had to do something with this kid, I call her my kid, you know, it's funny that she's not a goat or anything like that, but and people always correct me going, it's not a kid, she's your child, but, you know, and I always, always laugh and go, no, she's my kid, and so knowing that she was really different, I knew that I had to let her know that just because she didn't have a dad, um, that we had memories of her dad and we could still continue to carry on, and so we did, um, we did a lot of really fun things, um, we uh, I we lived on uh, six acres in Santa Rosa, California, and boy, was that a job in itself to live in that acreage by myself. But um, I wanted Katie to learn how to grow vegetables, so we had this one area in our backyard, and we built these um, uh, flower boxes, and we raised, uh, we we planted and planted and planted, and I laugh now, going, wow. Uh, what were we thinking? But uh, we got out there and we worked in our garden. And um, the next day, we I mean, after the vegetables had grown, we, um, we, she'd walk into school when she was seven years old and she'd walk in with her little basket of vegetables and she'd place them on the counter for all the teachers to enjoy. And I knew then that she took pride in giving. And, uh, and it just brought her so much joy. So we continued to do those things throughout her uh, growing up time and then uh, she got involved in volleyball and I tried to get her to do tennis 
I tried to get her to be on the swim team. I even took her to ice skating lessons. I just really didn't want to be on a team. I didn't want to participate in being a team mom. And Katie kept wanting to play volleyball and be with all the other kids. And I didn't realize it at the time that I think she really wanted to be, she didn't want to be an only child. So that was her way of creating a family, you know, because it was just me and her dad. So I think she really wanted to be in a family environment. So um, we we stuck with ten. I mean, with uh, volleyball. After I kept trying and trying to get her to do all these other sports, and what I didn't realize at the time is that she was teaching us how to be on a t- on her team, her team of kindness, compassion, understanding, love, giving, adventure. You know, she was really teaching us how to be that person. And it, and it was coming from an eight-year-old, so I didn't really know it, but I get it now. Um, but, you know, we would we would uh, I'd put her on all these different teams, and I mean, a volleyball, and uh, we would even go to, uh, we would drive over here to Reno because she um, looked it up as to where the best place to try out for the USA volleyball team. She had big dreams and big adventures, and... Um, so she did, she looked at, she goes, mom, it's in Reno and we can go on this date. And I go, okay, let's go. So we did. And we came over to Reno. So she was very familiar with Reno and, um, you know, we, we came and tried out three times for the USA volleyball team, but my little gal, she was only four foot eight. So she, her she dreams are big. Uh, yeah, she's a libero. Yeah, libero. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to correct you. No, no, no. Yeah, she was a. And I always would tease her about being a libero because it was the it was the person on the team that wore the different colored jersey. Sure. So that means everybody noticed her <laughs> in a subtle sort of way. You know, every she wanted everybody to identify who she was. You know, not in a bragging point, but just go, hey, I'm, I can do this. You know. So we came over and she tried out and. Um, so then when it came time, um, to choose, um, I'll tell you a little bit of story about my husband, but since we were married for 21 years and I was by myself for quite a few years. So my girlfriends, um, made me a, uh, profile on match of all things. So, uh, so all the different hits that I was getting from men in Reno. So I dated a gentleman for a year long distance and, when it came time, Katie graduated from high school. We decided that uh, I gave her the opportunity. And I said, "Well, do you want to go to stay? I mean, go to school in California with your childhood friends that you've known, or would you like to try a new adventure and move to Reno?" And she goes, "Oh no, mommy, I want to move to Reno." So we uh, left our home in California and moved to Reno and uh, started a life here with uh, my boyfriend Ray. And, uh, she got on the team and loved it. And, um, and then, uh, our, our life changed, uh, on June 9th. And like I said before, I didn't really want, uh, to focus on what I lost. I wanted to continue Katie's legacy of kindness and, and love and joy. So I uh, started the Katie Grace Foundation and didn't really know what I wanted to do, didn't know what my message was going to be, didn't know what my purpose was going to be because she was my only child. So I just had to figure something out. So I would look on Facebook of all places, which I really can't, I don't really enjoy, but I would look on different things going, oh, Katie would like to do that. 
or oh I'd hear about something I go oh, Katie would have liked to do that so then I gradually started putting Katie's name on different events um, I saw I found a group called kindness matters and this amazing person Amy and she had so much joy and um, energy which I didn't have any energy <laughs> and she did and she she brought me into her little group and uh, and I started sharing different things about Katie and I, I think my, my first one of my first events that I did was um, uh, somebody was requesting a, a donation for silk flowers to make arrangements flower arrangements for so I ended up uh, donating the flowers and introducing myself to a bunch of women um, in Reno that because when I came here I didn't know anybody I just knew uh, my boyfriend Ray and um, so I felt, felt this was my way to get out to meet the community and to start to reach out and, and share Katie's story. So I went there and I just remember being consumed with fear, you know, while I was there going, oh, and they're going to know, you know, they're, they're going to ask me. And after I found these, these women of kindness and warm thoughts and love, in love, I just thought, you know what, this is what I need to do. I just need to tell my story about Katie and not to get sympathy, but to know that we have hope. <laughs> you know, that we truly have hope in God's promise to us. And I truly believe that. I believe in the Bible. And um, and that's where I get my strength from. And But meeting these women, I met Amy. I met somebody that sits on my foundation, um, Shelly. Uh, her and her daughter Tanner, Katie, played volleyball with them, and they've become very dear friends of mine. Um, and bright, beautiful things of Katie also, and the love that they shared, and uh, the friendship that they shared with Katie. Um, so, but we made these silk flower arrangements, and uh, ended up taking them around to the different um, rest homes and elder care facilities, and shared those arrangements with them. So that was the start of my venture of doing things with Katie mm -hmm. <laughs> or what Katie would have loved wow. um, and then uh, knowing how much Katie loved volleyball and being a part of the Reno high school community I decided that the graduating class that Katie would have uh, graduated at Reno high school with um, that we would give out volleyball scholarships so we awarded each one of the players a volleyball scholarship in Katie's memory and the team that she loved to play on um, and then there was another group that were a year younger than Katie that Katie had played with at um, NNJ uh, Club Volleyball, and that was at Tamani Ranch uh, High School. So we awarded, I think it was seven scholarships to them uh, just this last year at the award ceremony. And every year I will be giving out um, scholarships to uh, Nevada Juniors Volleyball, uh, Northern Nevada Juniors Volleyball Club. Um, it's for we give them out. One is for the volleyball player who um, is inspired by the love of Katie, or just uh, loves volleyball as much as Katie did. I mean, she would sleep with her volleyball. So you know, just different things like that. Um, and I've uh, chose to um, pick a child out. They have to fill out a scholarship application, and then we choose that. A financial need is the second one. And the third one is potential, volleyball potential, if we can see them aspiring to become a, a USA volleyball player. Mm -hmm. uh, we also give uh, out money for that. So, yeah. And then a special mention to somebody that needs uh, equipment, so like new volleyball shoes or 
um, a uniform or a backpack or something like that, then we give special recommendations. I mean, special money for that. So, How wonderful, Kimberly, that you've been able to stay a part of the volleyball community that Katie loves so much. Mm -hmm. Like, that was fascinating, you talking about that, her desiring a team sport, desiring uh, to have a family in that way, and that you've been able to to come along and and maintain that. Mm -hmm. And I know something you said before we started recording was you were really honest about at first how hard it was to kind of be around that still Mm -hmm. and to go to games. Can I ask you what, what kept you doing it? Even though that was hard, what, what kept you going back and staying a part of that community? Um, I know that I always, I hate to say this, but I know that Katie would have wanted me there, but I also know that the girls needed to see me there. They needed to pull from some ounce of strength because they know what Katie meant to them. And if I failed at grief, then they, then what would that say to them? So I really felt that I had to win at grief. If you can win at grief, I had to be better than grief. I couldn't be um, stuck in grief. I wanted to win because of who Katie was. And I felt like I really needed to let the community um, or Katie's friends or the girls or the moms, I I felt that I needed to see them, uh, see me win Um, because Katie would have wanted to win. Uh, she won when she lost her dad. She didn't quit. She didn't give up. We surged forward. We found strength in our day, and we became who we were. And I, I couldn't fail at that. You know, because when you lose a child, I think you really think that you've failed. You know, you think that, and I only had one, you know, and I think that when I lost her, I had, I put... I didn't really put it on myself, but you think, wow, how could I possibly fail at losing a child? You know, it was, she was God's gift to me and I lost her, but you know, and I kept thinking about it going, no, this was God's plan. He told me that I would only have her for 15 years or he gave me for 15 years and they were 15 great years. And I know parents say this about their kids, you know, cause that's how we want to remember our children. But I really think um, that she was God's gift and that she was a really good kid and that she was different. And like I said before, I knew when she was little she had all these qualities and I just needed to capitalize on them. And I feel like I did that, but when I lost her, it's like, yeah, I need to continue to tell Katie's story. I need to continue to share who she really was and that people, other people can have hope. Mm-hmm. and share kindness. I mean, I spoke the other day and I said, Katie made kindness easy or being kind is easy. Being a friend is easy. Caring is easy. Sharing is easy. These aren't hard things. Volunteering is easy. You know, if it's just, you know, and I, I shared this with Katie's volleyball team, it, it doesn't take your whole day. It takes 45 minutes to volunteer, to do something. It may be taking an adult, elder person to a doctor's appointment and dropping them off. It may be dropping off a meal. It's easy, but we have to make it a priority. 
And if we don't make it a priority, then it won't be easy. You know, it's got to be part of life to share a little bit of kindness, hope, joy, happiness. And Katie really taught us all those things were very easy. Well, I think, you know, there's that, you know, people say that you create time for what you value, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if our value is really kindness and other-centeredness and real self-awareness about how our life impacts other people and the, the responsibility we have in that, we do create time for it. You know, I, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning going, I'm not serving anybody today. You know, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a jerk today. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we just get self, we get self-centered, self-absorbed. Right. Um, and again, that's not intentional, but I think it's our default, mm -hmm. right? We don't have to be intentional about that because it's our default. Mm -hmm. right. Um, we really have to intentionalize, I think, and some more than others, mm -hmm. right? Like you said, there are certain people like your daughter, it sounds like, like, Mm -hmm. who it comes a little easier for them. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are people it's really harder for, and mm -hmm. um, but we all have to really kind of, I think, self-initiate some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, you know, I had a coach, um, and I want to talk to you about the importance of sports a little bit today mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. um, I think there's really a, a misconception about a lot of that stuff culturally. Mm -hmm. um, having two kids who we've spent a ton of time on the road and money, um, still doing that stuff. I think there's tremendous value to it. Um, but, you know, I think we, we, we do again have to kind of um, really build that into our schedule um, and make our, our reasons better than our excuses. Mm -hmm. That's what my, you know, I had a coach used to say it all the time, make your reasons better than your excuses. Um, tell me about that, or, or maybe talk to us about, and I love the, the when you were talking about her wanting to play volleyball, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that how in some way that became a sense of family mm -hmm. for not only her, but it's continued to be for you. Mm -hmm. Talk about um, the misconceptions in that, because, you know, I've, I see both sides of that, right? Like my kids are, uh, my daughter plays club soccer and plays all over the place. And my son has played baseball and, and, and football and traveled plenty on both of those. And I will say that some of my closest friends in the, in the world have come through those means, mm -hmm. right? I'd never thought that going into it. I used to, when we first started, you sit at the field all the time and you're, and you're just like, I'd love to be anywhere but here today, right? <laughs> to a large degree, but here we are. And so eventually you start talking to people just because they're also in that same situation and mm -hmm. they'd rather be somewhere else probably too. Um, can you talk a little bit more maybe about how that community has really been a, a strength for you and you're being a strength to them, like you said, and how is that, how is it, how is it, how have you seen it be different than what maybe you thought it was going into it and how has it been a strength for you in this process maybe a little bit? Mm -hmm, thank you. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I look back going, Oh, a team, you know, uh, what does a team mean to me? What sure. does a team means, uh, a lot of moms, yep. <laughs> a lot of dads, a lot of gossip, mm -hmm. um, a lot of going, oh, why is your kid on the team? Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think, uh, and I, I know we've all experienced that, and I laugh at it because Katie goes, Mom, why don't you ever sit with the other moms? Oh, I go, oh, Katie, I'm so afraid I'm going to say something. <laughs> you know, but I had to learn that it was something that she truly enjoyed, um, and I did it uh, because of the 
connection that she made with people mm-hmm. um, and that it was always for fun. Sure. Uh, as competitive as Katie wanted to be, uh, she did it for the love of winning. She didn't do it for the love of being better, mm-hmm. for people noticing her. Uh, she did it for the... Um, the compassion of the game uh, and you really and she didn't do it for me mm-hmm. she didn't do it because I wanted her to sure. be the superstar she because I wanted her to choose other game I wanted her to choose other yeah. other events or other uh, sports programs she did it because she truly wanted to be a part of something mm-hmm. a part of um, a unit I don't know she wanted to be I uh, there th- things that sh- I would always talk to her about um, when she was playing. Um, that the coach is not there to criticize you, he's not there to put you down, he's not there to embarrass you, he's not there to disappoint you, he's there to teach you how to make an adjustment. He's watching you, he's looking at you, he sees your potential. He knows your potential, but he's got to say he needs to speak to you about your potential. So when he's making you making a correction or is pointing out, going, move your hand this way or get closer to the net, he's not complaining. He's seeing that you can win, but you have to win through his eyes and he's there to make an adjustment. So take his opinion and fear him not because he's there to help you. And one of the things that Katie's friends sent to us when we were, uh, when they taught, when they were telling me what Katie taught them about life, and one of them was fear no one. And that's where it comes from. There's the coach isn't to be feared, he's there to help you win, and he's seeing you to make this adjustment, and so he's telling you about it. Mm-hmm. So fear no one. And Katie's, all of her teammates used to say, Katie was never afraid of her coach. She was, and I don't know why, because I was so fearful of him, and I said, that's why, you know, because I taught, you know, I shared that with her when she was eight years old, because me, I would have been shaking in my boots if I heard the, <laughs> the coach saying those things to me. Is that what you were... Yeah, I think yeah. so. You know, I think uh, I think one of the things, you know, sports sports in that way is, especially team sports, I think, um, they, help, they help kids understand what it means to be in community. Right, like that, you we part of community. I think is accountability. Right, that there are going to be people that that you have to believe in that community. That a coach, for instance, what he says to you, he's saying for your good. Mm-hmm. Um, at least m- most of them. Right? right, there are always outliers that are you um, know messed up or whatever. But I think it, I, I think any community, whether it's a music group, a team, uh, a sports team, um, an art group, whatever. I think it's so important for kids to learn how do I exist with uh, mm-hmm. and for other people, mm-hmm. right? In yeah. kind of a self-absorbed culture, like that understanding what it means to like that other people depend on you. Mm-hmm. They depend on your attitude. They depend on your actions. They depend on, um, and that we find out we're big. We're, we're that we're, the world is bigger than just ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's. Um, and you learn to deal with frustration, and you learn to deal with failure, and you learn to 
celebrate success together, right? Like I always, you know, um, uh, I I tell my my kids this all the time that there's um, so my favorite my dad played football at the University of Florida, mm -hmm. and so um, he was there for the last year with a guy named Steve Spurrier who mm -hmm. won the Heisman Trophy and uh, went on and, and came back and coached at the University of Florida. And I heard him say something one time that I thought was so good. And they asked him, and he played in the NFL and had just, a, you know, a Hall of Fame football career at every level, or at least in college. And um, they asked him one time, uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, hey, listen, what was your favorite memory? Right? And you're talking about a guy who won a Heisman, so mm -hmm. <laughs> as good as you can be individually. Right. right? Um, and he had a team that when he, when he first came to the University of Florida in 91, they won more games than any team in the conference, but they were on probation, so they couldn't win the championship. Right? So they had T-shirts made up that said, "We're we beat the conference champion," all that kind of stuff. Right? Like it's what you do. Right? To just jab at him, and that's why he was also that guy who would jab at you about stuff. Um, but he 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 said, "My favorite memory was walking off the field with that team in all of football." And he said, and and the reporter literally said to him what about your Heisman? What about, and he said, no, he said, there's nothing better than winning with other people. Mm -hmm. Right. That that is the best possible moment is when you've worked together and you succeed. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's not just about you and, and you get to really celebrate with other people. And so I think that's such an important mm -hmm. aspect that we, hopefully that we at, through this podcast really want people to understand is not just serve, but serve mm -hmm. with, Right. And with other people, mm -hmm. right? That that's the uh, kind of the connection piece in that. Mm -hmm. So, so thanks for talking about that. That's mm -hmm. such a uh, what you said was so strong there. I think. Mm -hmm. so. And being even being inclusive, for sure. Um, I think that's what being a team is about. Agreed. You know, there are all levels of skill. There's there's a cheerleader on every team. There's yep. higher skilled people. There's, but it's a team. Mm -hmm. And like I tell Katie's uh, teammates, it takes each one of you on this team to be a unit to win. Yeah. It's not just that great team player over there or that cheerleader over there or that. It takes everybody yeah. to create a winning team. And you've all been chosen on this team. So why not win together mm -hmm. instead sure. of having just one? Yeah. And that's about being inclusive. You know, you'll have a teammate. I remember sharing with Katie. It's like you'll have a teammate or there'll be a child sitting at a lunch table by themselves. And do we know what happened to that child or that teammate before they came and walked through the store to sit down with you? Mm -hmm. Do we know what happened? We don't know that their dad got in a car accident that morning, their cat's sick, um, you know, you lost your homework. We don't know any of those things that happened to that child before they walk through the door. So what do we do? Do we ignore them because they're having a bad day? Or do we bring them into our group and try to cheer them up? Not saying it's your responsibility, but it's your, you can brighten their day one way or another by being inclusive. Sure. Or you can remove yourself from the group of your friends and go sit down at the table with that child and say, hi, my name's Katie. Mm -hmm. You know, it, what's easier? Yeah. It's easy. Mm -hmm. it, it's easier for you to remove yourself from the situation than bring the child that's sitting there by themselves into your group. Mm -hmm. Because it's still your group. 
So why not remove yourself and go sit with that child at the table Mm -hmm. and create a new friendship? And it was funny. I always tell Katie when she was growing up, I said, you know, Katie, I had a best friend growing up. And my best friend, when she would get mad at me, I didn't have any other friends because I didn't know how to create different relationships with other kids. Mm -hmm. I said, so I would have to go be by myself, which wasn't a bad thing, but it wasn't the greatest thing when you're by yourself, when you've your best friend and you get in an argument. I said, so why have a best friend? You know, why don't you just have a bunch of friends? Mm -hmm. You know, so you can, as an adult, you'll be able to deal with other women's personalities. You'll be able to talk to other men. Uh, You know, there's just so much more. Because I I think as an adult woman, it's hard to put yourself in a group of another women because there's so many different personalities. And I, I used to laugh and go, no, I always lived having a male boss only because I didn't have to deal with the other personalities because I didn't know how, yeah. you know? And I think it's great just to, cause there'll be this person that's super hyper. There'll be another person that's uh, a negative natty or a positive patty, you know, and you just want to be able to deal with and those each two one. can be equally annoying. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> right? like, both of them have moments that you're like, I know, exactly, exactly. And so I just wanted Katie to be able to be well versed in sure. different behaviors and attitudes and not let them affect her personally, you know. So every kids would go, she goes, Oh, this person would come up and go, yeah, you're my best, Katie, you're my best friend. And Katie would lo- always look and she kind of chuckle and she'd look at me and she goes, I know, Mom, I'm, they're just one of my friends. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't, it, to me and her, it wasn't about being popular. It was truly mm-hmm. about understanding and working with different relationships mm-hmm. and personalities and, mm-hmm. and knowing people for who they were and being inclusive going just because that person's different from you, that doesn't mean that you can't include them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can remove yourself and find out who they are. So I always thought it was uh, really cute when Katie had uh, so many different personalities and believe me, I saw so many different kids walk through our door. Well, and you trained her in that way. You, you taught her in that way and modeled it. And I think, I, I wish I could go back. I wish I remembered who it was that said this to me because I would go back and thank them. But there was this turning point in my 20s whenever someone said, um, friendliness is not a personality type. It's a decision. Right. Like, don't ever put yeah. off, oh, that person's friendly. I'm just not. Or that person's kind and I'm a, I'm just not. Like, no, right. that's not their personality type. It's not right. the same as having brown eyes. Like, yeah, that's exactly. that wasn't something that's out of their control. They made the decision. And it sounds like Katie took that really seriously. She making did. the decision to be kind. Making mm-hmm. the decision to be inclusive. Being a part of a team. Mm-hmm. That is, thank you so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's something we can all benefit from hearing. We really can. And it's, and like I said, it's easy. It's, but it's a thought process that we really have to train our brains to do or train our kids or, uh, you know, that these things are easy. We don't have to make them hard. Um, life can be simple when you include kindness and happiness. And, um, but, you know, just to, to circle back around, we don't know what anybody experienced before we walk through the door. So why not be kind? Or if, if... Or share a smile. You know, I find myself, uh, which I tried to do before, but I find myself doing it now more 
um, when I'm walking through a store and just looking up at somebody and just smiling at them mm-hmm. because we, we don't wear a smile on our face. Yeah. You know, we wear blank or I find myself wearing a frown and not even knowing why I'm wearing a frown. I'm just wearing a frown, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really easy, um, just to share a smile because you don't know what has happened to that person when they're pushing their cart or they ran into you with their cart. We don't know. And it's not that we have to give them back the attitude that they gave us, Mm -hmm. you know, all, and believe me, I do it too, but you know, but why not think, you know, I don't know what happened to them before they got here today and I'm just going to share a smile with them. And sometimes I don't know what that can do to that person's day. Sure. We right. don't know, yeah. um, but why not try it? Well, bringing positivity to sort someone's never going to have negative consequence, Mm-mm. right? Exactly. Like, no. like it might have a neutral consequence that they just, <laughs> it doesn't affect them. Right. But like, it's never going to have a negative, you know? And I think it's that idea that, um, I, you know, I've said this to my kids. I think that idea of in every room we walk into, every situation we, we bring ourselves into, we can kind of either be a thermostat or a thermometer, right? Like, so right. we can either reflect what we walk into or we can control. We can right. we can change the environment in terms of our own like positive positive mental attitudes. And so I think that's such an important thing is we get to decide the kind of people we want to be. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not hoisted upon us. It's not forced upon mm-hmm. us. Um, if I'm negative, it's not because of my life. Mm-hmm. Right. Now right. That, that there could be factors that contribute, but in spite of that, I can still be kind. I can still be. Mm-hmm. Um, optimistic in terms of what and the hopeful or hopeful right. maybe is a better way to say that and so I think that's it sounds like Kate was really incredible at that at an early she age was. which is like uh, is pretty very rare yeah it's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah and that's what I when I tried to share I knew she was different but I didn't I didn't, I just thought, oh yeah, I just got this really cool kid, you know, and I I was grateful because I'd never wanted children. I didn't have Katie until I was 39. Mm. I never had an inkling to be a mom. I love my mom. I love my sisters. Uh, You know, it was always, and I grew up in a Christian household, you know, so it was always, um, you know, headbutting one way or another. And I just couldn't stand that uh, my little sister would wear my shoes all the time and, and my older sister always got in trouble, and I was the middle child that just tried to keep everything mellow and easy, you know. And yeah. So I never really, uh, I, I, I wanted to be a businesswoman. Um, my mom said I'd shuffle papers all day long and put them in my briefcase, you know. So it was always something that I desired uh, to be successful at sure. in business and never really wanted to be a mom. And then one day... Um, I just decided I didn't want to be an old maid. <laughs> and I laugh now going, yeah, I guess that really wasn't God's plan for me, you know. Because uh, here I am sitting here going, okay, now I have no children. And my husband's passed away and I'm living in a relationship with my boyfriend, you know. Sure. So uh, so I have to reevaluate all of that and fi- really figure out what my purpose in life was. And I think, I think it was just sharing uh, who Katie was and her life. Uh, how easy she made life for all of us. I remember when she was in um, fourth grade, she used to um, be the child that the teacher would 
buddy her up with a new child that was coming mm -hmm. to visit mm -hmm. the school. Yeah. And Katie would always show him the ropes. She'd give him her pencils and show him how this is the pencils that we use. Mm -hmm. And, you know, take her to the lunchroom, make sure she played with them on the playground. You know, so hearing those different things about from her teachers and stuff, you know, I knew she was different. Oh, yeah. You know. What a beautiful spirit. Yeah, I love, I love really you sharing has. that, buddy. That is such a, uh -huh. that paints such a picture of her personality and her character right. and, and another part of Katie's character mm -hmm. that you that you brought up earlier that I love and wrote down is you talked about how much pride Katie took in giving mm -hmm. and how much joy giving brought her mm -hmm. and I thought what a cool parallel when you shared about one of the things the foundation is able to do is provide scholarships mm -hmm. and can you talk a little bit about the hope um, or the, the joy that has come for you in being able to give um, you know, I think it brings me peace, you know, hope, um, excitement, um, and expression, you know, the looks on people's faces when I'm able to hand them that money, um, or, you know, just to, uh, let them know that they're loved, True. you know, that we care for that. We care about their success. Uh, we care about them as just a person. Uh, we are advancing their career. Um, you know, I think uh, it brings incredible pride. I can feel Katie smiling down on me. And I, I think she, I, I, she guides me. Um, uh, just yesterday, uh, I was uh, a friend approached me and said, there's this amazing mom. She has four children. Uh, she's raising them on her own. I think her youngest was three years old, and her oldest is 13. And uh, her, she's been living in this beautiful home um, for two or three years, and the owner decided to sell it. And so she, um, I think the time frame caught up with her, and she wasn't able to find a new place, and she had to take her self and her four beautiful children and go live in a motel and I thought you know what this just isn't right um I knew that this this was a good family they'd fallen on hard times and I couldn't see this family having to go live in a motel because I I've seen what how the struggles of the motel kids go through sure. And I said, well, is she, does she have a good job? And she said, yeah, she's a really hard worker. And uh, I said, okay, you find a home, and Katie's foundation uh, will put down the first month's rent for her. And we'll put down the security deposit, but we want the security deposit to be paid forward. So if this mom lives in the house for 10 years, I don't care. She can live there three years, 10 years, or whatever. But the security deposit will go back to Katie's foundation so we can help another family need. Yeah. But we are happy to donate her first month's rent. And she we happily gave her the keys to her home yesterday and helped these four kids uh, move from their hotel. And, uh, and just knowing that these four children, I had one, you know, these four children had a chance to stay in the environment that they were in, that they didn't have to cross over into a hotel environment. And not to say that it's bad or uh, to cast judgment or anything. I was just grateful that we were able to keep those four children from that mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. and to know that we'll be able to pay it forward. 
uh, after this mom and kept her on her feet. Uh, She was a good mom. She's very grateful. I have not met her yet. Um, So I'm looking forward to her getting set up in her house Mm -hmm. and going over and meeting with her. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just that little small thing that we were able to do to know that I was helping those four kids. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the mom. It wasn't about the house. It was about those kids. Um, they were, they were born into that situation and I just felt that this was just one small part that we Mm -hmm. could do for them. And we did that yesterday. So it was amazing. Yeah. And then uh, just so, uh, Katie's dad was a podiatrist in San Francisco and, uh, he always, um, taught me that, uh, your shoes are your foundation, you know, it's the support of your body. You need to protect your feet. It carries your weight of your body. Yeah. Um, so a part of what I do for Katie's Foundation is I'm a shoe sponsor. So I've uh, teamed up with Project 150, uh, Liz McFarlane, mm-hmm. and I created... We talked to Liz on here as well. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, yes. she's great. Oh, she's amazing. She talks... Oh, she just... She talks really fast and really great. <laughs> <laughs> and has so much wonderful energy. I just she love does. her. But, um, so she, and I didn't really know Liz that well when Mm -hmm. I connected with Project 150 and they asked me, and I'm an interior designer by trade. I had my own business in California for 20 years. So I, um, I said, okay, well, if I come into this, I go, you got to let me do it as an interior designer. I said, so let me come in and bring my little signature Katie stuff. So I came in and painted the room in, um... Uh, Tiffany pink, I mean, Tiffany blue, Tiffany pink, where did I get pink from? Tiffany blue and this really pretty gray color. And I had, um, high mountain window and doors come in, uh, John Berryman. He came in and did all my shoe shelves for me and put up all my closet stuff. And he was amazing. He just donated all of that for Katie's foundation. And then I started buying shoes and started had it all set up i brought in this little ottoman so the kids could sit down and try on the shoes Mm -hmm. i and it was the first room when you walk into project 150 i don't know if you've ever toured it or not but it's a um a great little house that um the bridge church donated and the space for and so when i wanted the kids you know when kids are receiving um donations um you know some of them are really embarrassed um And I wanted them to feel welcome. I wanted them to feel like it was okay. You know, maybe your parents are just having a hard time. Uh, I wanted it to feel warm and inviting and exciting to pick out a pair of shoes, whether they were brand new or used. Or I wanted them to know that it was okay to receive a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, So when... And I made it super cute in there. And I, Katie has a signature chalkboard wall, so I love your chalkboard wall. Um, it's just she had a chalkboard wall in her bedroom that she wrote inspirational quotes on her daily workout schedule and, and just things like, hi, mama, I love you. You know, so I could always go in her room and get these little, receive these little gifts from her each day. And um, and so I put a chalkboard wall in there and I, I wrote things that Katie, that the Katie's friends told me that they taught Katie, Katie taught them about life. And on the top of the chalkboard wall, it says, um, fear no one, um, speak without malice, act in the benefit of others and be the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
I really feel like Katie taught us that every day about life. But in the in her little room at Project 150, it has that on her chalkboard wall. And, and the kids leave messages and say, thank you, Katie Grace Foundation. And thank you, Liz. And, uh, you know, it's just really heartfelt, you know, to know that we could provide this environment for these kids to let them know it's okay mm -hmm. to sit down and pick out these pair of shoes that that's going to be your foundation or mm -hmm. um you know because kids get picked on for the strangest things for and sure. shoes are one of them you know that's the first thing we look at you know you got these really yeah. cool shoes on you know so we always look at shoes you know it's it, it's just strange and and katie loves shoes almost as much as she loved playing volleyball. So <laughs> to be able to bring shoes to the community is something they really love. And I'm working on a, a cabinet um, at Women and Children of the Sierra for mm -hmm. the younger kids. They've invited me to put a Katie Grace cabinet there. Yeah, so I'll provide shoes for the women in need that come there. I also have a cabinet at uh, the children's cabinet. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a small little area that they gave me in the food bank. So um, I, I was there interviewing with them about something and a little, a mom walked in and she had two little boys and one little boy had, and I think they're, they might've been twins, but one little boy had shoes on and the other one didn't. And his feet were just bright red and it was cold outside. And they go, Oh, I go, why don't you, why don't you let me bring a shoe cabinet to yeah. um, the children's cabinet? So I'm currently working on a shoe cabinet at, the children's cabinet um, to provide shoes for kids. So thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I, lo I love that. I, I love that idea that you're sharing of, of seeing a need. Mm -hmm. How can I, how can I help meet this? And there's something as you're talking, um, we had an episode, a couple, a couple episodes ago where we interviewed our friends, Jim and Carol Smitherman, who just started a support group for parents who have lost children. Mm -hmm. And they shared about losing their 19 year old daughter. And there was something that Carol said, where she talked about they believed that their pain could have a holy purpose. Mm -hmm. And so going to the Lord with that of, God, can you bring, what purpose could you, can you bring out of this? And not, I don't say that at all to minimize pain or to like, mm -hmm. act like that makes it go away. No, but is there a need I can meet here? Is there something I can give here? And just hearing you talk about that, Katie's love for shoes, um, your husband being retired, just, okay, can I put this? And now being in Project 150 and mm -hmm. being in Women and Children of the Sierras. And I, I think that's so inspiring to think along those lines like thank you for paving that way for us to think about how can I give and I think about something you said earlier Jason touched on too is that no it's not hard to give but we do have to make it a priority that I can't just assume well as I live life I'll just become a more giving person no I need to have a plan for that I need to be intentional with that and Kimberly you are somebody who so clearly you and Katie both are people who so clearly were intentional about giving and intentional about bringing hope, uh, meeting, meeting needs with hope. And so thank you for sharing both of your story in that and what you're continuing to do and how you're continuing to bring purpose out of that, out of that pain and to meet needs in our community. And so Kimberly, if somebody's listening today and they want to be a part of what you're doing or they want, they want to give to what you're doing, how would they do that? Um, I'm not really good at the technical stuff, but I try. Um, you can reach out to me on Facebook. I'm Kimberly Weingartner, and that's W-E-I-N-G-A-R-T-N-E-R. -E mm -hmm. um, you can also email me at Katie Grace Foundation, and it's the letter K, 
the letter T grace foundation at gmail.com. And I'm happy to share with you the different things that I'm doing. And if you'd like to team up with us, we have a very large garden project coming up. Um, it started the boys and girls club with a hydroponics garden and that will eventually grow over to the bridge church mm -hmm. and cause they have ground there. Right. Uh, all there together. Yeah. And there'll be a teaching, this a teaching little gazebo area for the kids to sit down and learn how to grow vegetables or the community, whoever wants to come help and volunteer. It'll have a greenhouse, uh, several um, planting beds. Um, it's just going to be a nice little community area that we can keep um, growing. And sp I, I call it spreading seeds of kindness um, mm -hmm. because we'll grow the food and also give to the homeless, but it'll also go to the Bridge Church because they have a... Um, uh, kitchen there that they feed the homeless uh, or just people in need they have a food pantry uh, so that'll be part of the whole outreach that they have there at the bridge church but it's my understanding um, that this there will be there, there will be 11 gar Katie's Gardens across Reno um, so this is just our first uh, to get started and it'll eventually uh, continue to expand and to help feed the community and those in need so so if you want to be a part of that, um, it's just on the beginning steps. Mm -hmm. The hydroponic garden has all kinds of herbs uh, growing in it right now, and um, but it'll become a very large part of the community, mm -hmm. which we're really grateful for to be called Katie's Garden. Yeah. <laughs> she would have loved it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. oh, thank you so much for sharing that, Kimberly, and just those ways to be involved with what you're doing. That is amazing to hear. Um, something else I just wanted to say is that Kimberly made a couple references, as Jason said, to people we've had on the podcast before. So if you're interested in learning about Kindness Matters, which you all have, have partnered with, that's back on episode 13, as well as Project 150, which was episode 16. I also brought up Jim and Carol um, and their ministry called While We're Waiting. That's episode 20. So just some things you can go and get background on that. Mm -hmm. So cool to hear how you all are working together and Kimberly, we just so appreciate that you would come and share Thank and you. teach us more about Katie and what you're doing in her honor and how you're spreading. You talked about, um, you talked about with that deposit, that idea of paying kindness forward. And it is so evident the many different streams that, that you are paying kindness forward and that you are bringing life out of Katie's life right here mm -hmm. in our community. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being with us today, Kimberly. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here and letting me share a little bit about Katie and knowing that um, as a mom, I'm going to survive. I want other moms to know that too. You know, we don't need to fail. We don't need to let grief consume us. We need to have find strength in our day and know that we're going to be okay. I'm never going to forget Katie. Sure. Ever. But I'm going to move forward with dignity, grace, kindness, and keep telling my story of who Katie was. Because I think she deserved that. I think she deserved to be remembered. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to survive grief. And I think that's really important that mom knows, that moms and dads know that they'll be here in my space. They'll be standing here. And they'll be proud of their children and know that they did everything they could to share who they were 
and to be proud of the gift that they were given. And thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to have you. Thank you. Thank you.